Hey, hey, everybody. If you're listening to this, you are listening to the first free hour of this episode of The Shift with Doug McKinty. If you like what you're hearing, please consider subscribing to the show in order to access the full feature-length versions of the podcast, as well as have access to the members' forum, where we discuss potential topics and interviews and dive deep into the overall concept of The Shift. For only six bucks a month, not only do you get the full-length episodes, but also an opportunity to co-create with me, your host, Doug McKinty, the future of the show. Go to www.theshiftnow.com or patreon.com backslash the shift and sign up today in order to help make the shift possible. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Good morning, noon, or night, wherever and whenever you are listening, you are listening to The Shift. I'm your host. My name is Doug McKenty. This episode was recorded on April 6, 2022. I'm happy to announce returning guest Joe Atwill back to the program today. Joe is perhaps best known for his work, Caesar's Messiah, which posits an alternative history of the origins of Christianity. From his perspective, such patriarchal mythologies were often used in antiquity as a propaganda mechanism with the end goal of consolidating power into the hands of the Roman Empire. His more recent work, including the essay Manufacturing the Deadhead, extends this theory into the modern era by showing direct ties between the CIA and many involved in the so-called archaic revival of the 1960s. This work details how rock gods promoting the use of psychedelics may have been manufactured in much the same way as ancient mythologies, with the purpose of influencing popular cultural movements in service to upper-class interests. While certainly controversial, the notion that those who reside at the top of the pyramid of power would utilize any means necessary, including the cultivation of certain cultural archetypes, in order to consolidate power, actually makes a lot of sense. In retrospect, one would have to be pretty naive to believe that the wealthiest among us would not use some of their exorbitant wealth and power with the goal of influencing the acceptance of disparity as part of the cultural zeitgeist. Psychological manipulation is much less expensive than military control. Victims of such manipulation would even promote the psychology of empire, unwittingly perpetrating ideas in service to upper-class interests, while acting to prevent the spread of ideas and information ultimately liberating for the mass of humanity. Is it possible that intelligence agencies manipulate the modern mind in much the same way as Roman emperors did over 2,000 years ago? Just as biblical notions of turning the other cheek and rendering unto Caesar what is Caesar's may have been emphasized for the purpose of neutralizing a messianic revolutionary movement, is it possible that drug use, ecstatic dance, and raucous music were purposely popularized to weaken the family unit, dumb down the American public, and ultimately dissuade rebellious youth from targeting the true perpetrators of oppression? If so, we must wonder to what extent such social engineering is influencing the minds of the unwitting masses up to the present moment. If the upper classes utilized ancient mythologies for this purpose, what could they be doing in a modern technological age that includes television, the internet, and the development of advanced psychological warfare techniques designed to manufacture and control the mass mind? This conversation will cover not only that possibility, 
but describe the characteristics of social engineering so you know what to watch out for. We will also discuss techniques for individuation that prevent assimilation into a culture potentially characterized by the presence of such mass mind control techniques in service to power. Joe describes how strict adherence to the principles of logic and critical thinking, as well as the engagement of Socratic dialogue, can help individuals, families, and communities detach from the collective in order to find a path forward characterized by self-determination. Find out more about the work of Joe Atwell at www.caesarsmessiah.com. Manufacturing of a Deadhead will be linked in the show notes below. As always, if you like what you're hearing, please share this episode throughout your social media network. We rely on listeners like you for the distribution of this alternative information. Discover more about The Shift, find hours of free content, sign up to the newsletter, or subscribe for feature-length versions of each episode by going to www.theshiftnow.com. Check out the Populist Papers on Substack for episodes and articles delivered straight to your inbox. You can also join the conversation at The Shift with Doug McKenzie Facebook page or at McKenzie on Twitter. Without further ado, I'd like to thank author and activist Joe Atwell for agreeing to this interview, and thank you for helping to make The Shift. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this 116th episode of The Shift. I have a recurring guest, a returning guest today. Uh, Joe Atwell, I think he was, you were like number 15 or something. It's been a few years since the last time we talked. Uh, the last conversation focused on Caesar's Messiah, um, which is uh, reflective of Joe's work about uh, the Christ story, positing that uh, potentially it was uh, essentially a, a form of Roman propaganda. And I've been really interested in this concept uh, of mythology and propaganda for a long time. And so I wanted to have Joe back on to talk a little bit more about what's going on in the modern day. Uh, the other essay that I'll recommend to everyone is called The Manufacturing of a Deadhead. Um, and I'll put the links to both of those in the show notes so you can familiarize yourself if you'd like to. Um, but I guarantee this is going to be a really interesting conversation because um, we're going to get into how I think social engineering really has been going on for quite some time might surprise a lot of you. So welcome to the show. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm just fine, Doug. Good to be back. Yeah, thanks for coming on again. You want to just, uh, in your own words, give people a little bit about your background so they understand your work? Well, I'm best known as an author. I've written uh, Caesar's Messiah, which uh, is a book that, uh, as you say, stated posits uh, a Roman provenance for the literature concerning Jesus. And I show that it was a, a kind of propaganda. Um, Christianity was both political in the sense that it um, helped pacify um, particularly um, rebellious messianic Jews, um, but it was also legacy. Um, the, uh, the group that produced the Caesars, that produced uh, the story of Jesus, uh, constructed it in a way to uh, create um, a vanity piece for themselves. Uh, they, they saw themselves as the, uh, um, the Messiah. They, they claimed that the Jewish messianic prophecies foresaw them. And in the, uh, in, the, in the Gospels, Jesus talks about the coming of a son of man who's going to do all these um, things. He's referring to events of the Roman Jewish war. And so um, 
when he is talking about the Son of Man, he's talking in the third person, he's looking into the future, and it's just, uh, if you understand the propaganda aspect of the literature, you can see it's self-evident that um, that individual is, is uh, Titus Flavius, he's the Roman Caesar, member of the Flavian imperial family, who uh, was one of the overseers of the uh, production of the gospel and the creation of the Christian religion. Um, so that's, that is uh, probably what I'm best known for. But beyond that, I was uh, just in business uh, um, and uh, was in uh, computer software, um, sold my interests in all companies around uh, uh, G 2000, um, or even before, before the internet for the big money. <laughs> and uh, that wasn't timely. But uh, anyway, I uh, just became uh, interested more in, um, uh, I became interested in literature as a reflection of oligarchic propaganda. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really kind of what, what I started studying. And so even though it seems like these are disparate things, Shakespeare or, uh, you know, the Gospels, the Book of Revelation, or, for example, MKUltra, or the, uh, the, the group, um, the Grateful Dead and their fans, the Deadhead. In, in my work, I, I show that they're really all part of the same thing. It's, it's like you were saying at the beginning of the show that, um, you know, these are all elements of propaganda. And if we really are going to be better at democracy, uh, which is to say get uh, represent, representatives that are more reflective of our interests, we really under have, we have to understand how um, the powerful, the, the individuals who have ossified their power, uh, use propaganda to control us. And so in, in our era, I mean, I think that the lessons that I talk about in Christianity and uh, in the Shakespearean literature um, are very applicable to the day, Doug, because, uh, you know, we're sitting here with this... Uh, these stories that the this government telling us about it's good for us to be locked down, that we need vaccinations. Uh, uh, the Ukrainian war, it's, uh, it's an excuse to uh, reduce, you know, energy and food uh, for, you know, the Western world. Uh, and, you know, you, of course, can make certainly people believe these things are true, but I would say it's much better to have skepticism, to, um, you know, be very critical of uh, whenever governments are either, you know, creating a concepts of the divine or concepts for obedience, you know, where the government's saying, look, you know, it's good for you to be locked down. This is, we know, we, we know you don't like it, but we just know better than you and we, we're telling you it's good for you. I, I think that this is, um, uh, you know, a, a weakness of democracy and that the, yeah. the citizenry it doesn't have training uh, in how to resist sophistry and propaganda. And I mean, if you look at, for example, like Christianity, it really uh, had as its, you know, most important side effect, the creation of the feudal system, which was a slave system, a system in which the Pope was unassailable. You couldn't even rebel against him because he was purportedly a religious leader. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so the, the feudal system is, is a good example of what can happen when you believe the stories that government tells you. And here in our era, we have, um, you know, we have the, uh, these, these um, stories of, that the governments are giving to us. And the citizen needs to have a more powerful control over 
you know, his, his understanding of democracy because the oligarchs, well, they've developed the internet. They've developed the mind control understanding through projects like MKUltra, for example. I mean, these things are real. These are real tools that they're able to use against us. And the citizen, we need to up our game. We need to uh, try to use the tools that they're using to control us. For example, the internet, which has spawned the independent media and given people like you a chance to actually address the public. I mean, this wasn't, didn't occur in 1950 when you had three networks and a few radio stations. I mean, individuals didn't have access to the, you know, the, the public square. We just couldn't really get our voices heard. Mm-hmm. But now we can, and the independent media is having a tremendous effect, um, hopefully for the good. Um, I would say that, you know, vaccine hesitancy, which is something that I strongly support. I don't trust the vaccines at all. Um, in fact, I would go so far to say they're dangerous and, uh, and damaging, um, my opinion. Um, vaccine hesitancy is a complete reflection of the power of the independent media. I mean, if they had rolled this thing out in 1950, for example, uh, as they did with the polio vaccine, there was no resistance whatsoever. No one really stood up against it, questioned the science, tried to uh, run their own kind of analysis to determine if the thing was safe or effective. They just took it. Mm-hmm. I know I was there. I took it. <laughs> um, so, so now we have this, the, you know, maybe a third of the population is saying, no, we don't want it. There's something about it. We, we just don't believe your story. And this is a tremendous achievement. And um, I, I have actually referred to it in other, you know, kind of internet presentations I've done as a purification it's a tragic one. It's very sad because, you know, family members and loved ones and, and just huge numbers of people are having their immune systems damaged, in my opinion, or even being killed. Um, but at the same time, the ones who are resist- resisting the vaccinations are uh, unifying. You know, we have something in common. We have, a, um, you know, we, we just have a, this, this a collection of people that are from disparate elements, perhaps, but they're all coming together around skepticism of of the government storyline. It's propaganda. Yeah. This is unique. I mean, certainly hasn't happened in the history I've looked at from, you know, the Roman era to today. So this is unique, and um, it's a great moment because of that. It's it's even though it looks things seem dire in many ways, um, but nevertheless, the uh, uh, the the actual creation of a of, of, a, of a group of citizens that are skeptical, that don't automatically believe what the government tells them, that, are, that believe, for example, that there is propaganda, that propaganda is a real tool being used against us. I mean, this is the first time. And so I'm hopeful that uh, as what I call the purification, as uh, more and more people are, will be starting to get sick uh, for one reason or another because of uh, the vaccine and also uh, I think the, uh, you know, what's going to happen kind of physiologically. I have my own ideas about this. I've done quite a bit of studying of the immune system over the last year. I'm an enthusiastic amateur, you know, um, <laughs> but I, uh, I really think that there is a chance you're going to have a lot of people getting very ill that, that have gotten, that have taken the vaccine. And so this will leave the unvaccinated as, um, you know, hopefully the beginning of uh, 
uh, a, you know, a collection of citizens that uh, will really want to have an effective democracy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, it's interesting. It's funny because I, I spoke with uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits a year and a half ago before yeah. the vaccines were even coming out. And she was already saying these things are going to give everybody cancer. There's going to be millions and millions of people with cancer. We're starting to see, of course, now we're starting to see that yeah. happen. So uh, it's amazing the people that are really in the know have been able to see this uh, coming from a mile away. And this concept of democracy, I think this is exactly what I, I wanted to, why I wanted to have you on, because I, I there is no democracy when individuals aren't free to educate themselves and aren't educated to be critical thinkers about the, the news and the information that they ingest. And I feel like Culturally, we've been so indoctrinated with following authority. Um, I've had this concept for a long time about patriarchal religion in general. When I found your work, I was actually really excited because the way you, you laid it out so well. But just the idea that there's an omnipotent, omnipresent God or authority figure that's watching you, that punishes you when you, when you do wrong, this sounds so much like Jeremy Bentham's Panopticon or indeed the, the technocratic world that they're trying to create now where they're going to be able to track and trace everywhere we go on our phones and everything, you know, that they're so what I find fascinating is this concept that for, you know, two, 3000 years, the upper classes have had this, this ability, this understanding of social manipulation in order to, to, pacify their populations um certainly a less expensive way than having to have military boots on the ground all the time quelling this and that revolution or riot or uh trying to 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 shut down any kind of revolutionary movement if you can just i mean because really what's happening now it's happening now it's been happening throughout history is that the the upper classes have a large number of people who are willing to protect their uh, their perspective th that have been brainwashed by the propaganda and actually do the enforcement for the upper classes. Uh, I mean, we see this with the vaccines where, you know, people sure. are literally going around shaming us all. Uh, those of us who've chosen not to get vaccinated and saying we're killing grandma and all of these things, a large portion of the pro population is, is uh, convinced by it. And with these patriarchal religions over thousands of years there's always been a large group of the population that is gonna you know tell on you if you're a sinner or <laughs> so they get the population to, to essentially fight itself uh, using the, these methodologies and then the interesting thing again is it's been going on for so long um i think it it's indicative of some kind of of lineage that these people uh have been studying these psychological techniques for a long time there must be some connection something that do you think that's there's some connection over the thousands of years that kind of passed this knowledge down uh amongst certain circles of the secret societies um potentially the illuminati i mean i don't know where where i'm necessarily going with this but i do think there this is evidence of of a of a long um period of time that the knowledge of social manipulation has been passed down well uh there's actually several um, questions in, inside of that. Um, the first one in terms of, you know, well, like, how was the technique developed? Was it, a, a, you know, a secret society that 
suddenly came across it and then decided that this would um, be their ticket to uh, dictatorship. Um, I think actually it it comes the the uh, the propensity to control uh, the intellect of the subjects. Uh, I would. Uh, would maintain comes just from human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, we are a societal animal, and for order to exist, there have to be, you know, a hierarchy. Certainly, it's visible in in some, you know, primate, you know, tr- groups. You can see, you know, domination and and uh, uh, obedience. You know, so that there can be a unified action of the of the society when it's needed. And I think that that. Um, that the uh, uh, it's been a perversion of the natural inclination of humans to be societal uh, and to find a place within society that is stable for them, which includes you know both power and obedience. Um, and so, I think that what has happened is our nature was um, perverted uh, by by the. Uh, you know, ruling classes, they, they, they started to understand that um, they could amplify the, um, the, their power past the point where it really should have, where, where, past the point where it was socially useful. Mm-hmm. Power is socially useful in a certain way, but past a certain point, it becomes destructive. Um, and I think if you look at, just as an example, um, Egyptian pharaoh society, you know, you can see that this, the idea that the pharaoh was a god um, was very destructive. You ended up with these enormous uh, and wasteful tombs, these pyramids, um, which uh, took all generations to build and didn't promote the health of anyone, rather just to claim the divinity of someone who wasn't even with us anymore. Um, I was in uh, the... Mexican jungle a few years ago um, and uh, was there looking at uh, a Mayan pyramid. And they had an individual who was, they found implanted, so to speak, at the very top of this this pyramid. And he was given the the term, the seed. This individual was called the seed, and that was relating to the agricultural religion that the Mayans had, and I won't go into any of that, but they did a DNA test on him to see, well, was he, you know, what year was, did he live? And what was incredible, because they knew the exact date that the pyramid had been built, they found that the individual was a thousand years older than the pyramid. Hmm. And they also found that he had come, they could tell from the DNA that he had come from an area far south of where the tomb was. So in other words, this individual had been seen as some kind of power, had a religious post-death power, and they had dragged this guy with them for a thousand years and then eventually implanted in the top of this huge Mayan pyramid. Well, this, this is you know, an example of the destructiveness of, of authority, and, but also the, the, um, how susceptible we are. You know, I mean, this this is a completely stand aside, unique. It's not part of the Illuminati. It's not part of the Freemasons. It's just all by right. itself. There it is. You've had this incredibly destructive. Because think of the uh, all of the if the efforts had had been put into 
you know, societal harmony and, uh, you know, and, and, and technology that would benefit, think of how much the quality of life would have improved for all of these individuals. Well, obviously the Egyptian society is another example of this. And then going forward, you can see that, uh, you know, as an, just, just to see how perverse it all becomes when the Ptolemies, well, when they took over the region after Alexander the death's passing, right? The, his general Ptolemy took over the region. They immediately assumed the mantle of Ra. So in other words, these, you know, Macedonian Europeans came down, conquered, saw how the, the mind control worked in this particular area and immediately adapted it. And so then you got, you started to see pharaohs, you know, whose, whose representations are these Europeans with beards, right? I mean, so it's just, um, it's, it's, so it's what this is showing is that we're just very susceptible to this kind of propaganda, wherein the leader will tell us things which we believe because he's the leader. It's really that simple. It's just that, that the power of leadership includes the ability to be believed, even if, you know, you don't really have the facts to back up the, this assertion, the people will believe you. So this was the, this was the tool that um, the hierarchy then um, started to amplify, certainly in, by Egypt, so you, you talked about thousands, well, it's 5,000 years old, you know, you can see how, how old this, this, this technique is being used for the destruction, uh, not destruction, but for the subservience of, of the people. Well, now, you know, when you go forward, you can see that um, the, the leader, that the leader, the ruling class were able to develop technology for the purpose of, of ossifying their power, just in the same way that the Ptolemies took over the, you know, the, the structure of the raw religion for, for their maintenance of mind control over the subjects. If you look, for example, at the internet, I mean, it was developed by DARPA for counterinsurgency. And this is, you know, not really even to be contested. This is the stated purpose of, of the thing. The Grateful Dead, you know, you referenced the article I wrote on manufacturing the deadhead. The Grateful Dead were the first users of the internet. The, the, uh, the, the, the people who developed the um, LSD, sex, drugs, and role counterculture were the same group living in the same street with the same, you know, sharing every other lives. And in, in many cases overlap um, that were developing uh, the internet. Um, I forget the name, but uh, uh, you know, like some of the, like people in Ken Kesey's bus were also developing the mouse and the personal computer. So, so anyway, the, the internet, if you now look at um, say Facebook, Google, I mean, these are clearly counterinsurgency devices. I mean, they have cover stories like the uh, the Ptolemies did with, you know, they're they're claiming that they were, you know, the, the divine sun god, but the cover stories are preposterous. These things are developed with the idea of kind of pre-crime, wherein if you participate in in Facebook, if you participate in Google, they will start to understand you. They can predict you and they can control you because they can move in, in front of you the 
exact formulation of concepts and personalities that they know will, will can take you from the point that you are now intellectually and politically and move you to one that is close to it that they can slide you in, in with their understanding of human personality. I mean, think of how they developed all this with MK Ultra. Mm-hmm. So they move you into this position, and then and then from there they can start the you know complete mind control. I mean, um, you know, I I've said that the I mean thinking you know going back to Trump versus Hillary or Trump versus Biden, the idea that there's a choice there is ludicrous. I mean, Trump and Hillary are, you know, representing the same group, but but they are there to create emotion, typically hatred, in the groups that support them. Yeah. Hillary's group will hate Trump. Trump's group will hate Hillary. And that therefore, the people, us, we feel that there's some meaning to democracy because there is someone we hate so much, we just want to see that person, you know, not get into the, into the White House. But this is just manipulation. Uh, the fact is, is that, um, I mean, if you look at the vaccine, um, you know, there, there you had, uh, you know, uh, an illustration of the fact that there isn't any difference, that, that what we see as differences are just, you know, the concepts that they give us to, you know, that will engender emotion. But in back of all this, there is an orchestration, an understanding, uh, you know, a, a system that is that is at, at the moment, unfortunately, I think, in, in, you know, involved in depopulation. And I think that, you know, the idea that uh, Trump is supposed to be different than Hillary uh, and yet created Operation Warp Speed to bring the vaccine out you right. know, so quickly without any real testing or, or, you know, exposure of. I mean, this is the real um, you know, th- this is what really reveals the fact that the that the political class has a kind of is a kind of secret society, just as they always have been. I mean, just if you look at the work I did on on uh, the development of Christianity, if you think of um, the influence of like secret societies in our government, think of the Freemasons, think of Bohemian Grove. I mean, think of the CIA. You know, when people talk about well, you know, they, they criticize conspiracy theory on the grounds that, well, the government couldn't maintain such a thing. This is the most tragic and ludicrous comment that is imaginable because the fact is none of the people who are, you know, claiming this is like some kind of valid criticism know anything whatsoever about what goes on inside of the secret societies. They don't have one iota of understanding. They could never no. penetrate Davos. They could never penetrate Bohemian Grove. They could never penetrate Skull and Bones. They could never penetrate high-level Freemasonry. Or, or so the CIA, like you say. Or the CIA. So therefore, when they when they make that criticism, they're really revealing, you know, just a tragic um, mind control that they are that they've been subjected to. Oops. So that's the um yeah. that is the problem is that um we just don't, you know, we don't have the um, uh, the training to really use democracy effectively. Um, but as I, you know, not to reiterate it too much, but as I said, because of the um, 
of the independent media and how it's been taken advantage of by people like you to create an independent perspective, uh, we're actually making strides that we've never made. I mean, we have never made, the citizens have never made the strides that have been made in the last 20 years. This yeah. is absolutely unique that there is so much independent information and criticism. Now, obviously, a lot of the independent media is our shills, you know, that we've been penetrated because obviously they will try to do that. Um, and nevertheless, humans, once for propaganda to work, you have to extend trust. See, that's the one thing. I mean, the, 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 if, if you don't trust what the ruling class is telling you, right. then your, your natural intelligence will start to analyze these facts and, and the power of propaganda falls apart. You have to give them trust. And so for the independent media to be, for the people who are adherents of the independent media to be controlled, it's very difficult because we don't trust them. And they may give, they may have shills, shills that are, you know, brilliant and, and have very well-designed personalities and, and have a lot of facts that seem to make people believe, oh, this person is a legitimate critic of the, of the government. Um, but in fact, you're, you know, the person is, is, is a kind of cul-de-sac to keep you, the rebellion, from going to a certain level and then being controlled at that point. But it doesn't really, I mean, it, it does matter, but it isn't going to stop the, the independent yeah. um, citizenry from moving to a better place. Because once we stop trusting and start using our minds, it's just we're very hard to, to control. Right. You, you've been a proponent of the Trivium method for a long time, right? Just to teach yeah. people. Yeah, just to yeah. teach people how to use that critical thinking, (laughs) how to have the discipline to be logical, how to spot the logical fallacies. And then the truth reveals itself. If people do the, do the work and they have the discipline, I mean, it, it, it exposes itself, but it's so difficult to get people to undergo that kind of rigor um, precisely because of the, of the, of the mind control that you're talking about. It's actually incredible. I mean, one of the things you brought up was that the function of all this is to just get you to kind of blindly believe what the leader is saying. And instantly my mind goes to listening to Dr. Tony Fauci. I couldn't believe this stuff that was, I mean, he justified remdesivir by using an African study. When you go read the study from Africa, you find out that they, they canceled remdesivir because it was too toxic in that study, but he can say whatever he wants and everyone. And then, I start seeing people begging for remdesivir and it's like, uh, it was just fascinating. The guy makes the claim. I am the science. Just do what I say. Just listen to me. And, and half the population would just Dr. Fauci said it. So it must be true. It must be science. The science is settled and you're, you, you're anti-science. If you don't believe you know what I'm, what Dr. Fauci says, and I'm reading the peer-reviewed studies that are claiming, saying the opposite of everything Fauci says, basically throughout the entire pandemic, it was just fascinating. That whole thing is fascinating. I mean, even the, I, I've I've learned to perceive uh, this scientism as essentially a new patriarchal religion. It's doing exactly the same thing. People believe. Uh, you know, I can't do my own research. I'm not an expert. You have to trust the expert or the authority figure. Uh, and then science, they have this philosophy of science where, well, the science is settled. So it just must be unequivocally true. 
Uh, and if Dr. Fauci says the science is settled, then I do what he says. And you don't believe in science if you don't listen to Dr. Fauci. It's just phenomenal, the mind control I've seen uh, just around this this really terrible concept of what science is and how it, it works and what it's supposed to be. I mean, it's a useful tool, but this idea that it's some kind of transcendent truth that is now being used as an excuse uh, by the authorities to say, to, to make claims to scientific truth and then convince everybody in the population that, well, the science says this, so now you have to do what we tell you. Um, that was just fascinating yeah. to watch. Really good point. Um, scientism uh, is simply uh, a form of the propaganda religion that has been designed for people who are basically post, you know, uh, Abrahamic tradition. You know, right. if you once you have moved out of that as being kind of where you can be influenced, uh, even if you're still giving lip service to say you're you were raised a Christian, and, but you you still have the idea that well I'm a Christian even, but they can tell that you're no longer believing uh, dictums from the Pope or from uh, you know the the authority the priestly authorities above you. So this is what how scientism has been developed. I mean mm -hmm. it. It's sort of like the internet. It, it it it's always been malevolent from the very beginning. It's always had a malevolent purpose, and it's had the same purpose, really. I mean, scientism is just mind control using personalities that um, have powers which, in our mind, are parallel to the powers that the authorities who claim to be God had, you know, back two thousand years ago. Yeah. So that's just what what that's when why, but now it's interesting in that because there is so much direct contradiction of say just using the vaccines the the claim the scientism that is surrounding the vaccines there there's so much direct contradiction you mentioned the science papers right there are thousands of science papers which uh, either directly contradict or cast doubt on the efficacy and safety of the vaccines. Now, probably the people who chose not to take the vaccines as, as a fraction of the population will be looking for alternative information, either directly from the papers, even though I think that's minority, mm -hmm. or from people that they've developed trust with because of, of perhaps sharing logical constructions and understanding of the word of the world with these with these people. Um, who are giving them the, re the results of the science paper. So now you get this, a, 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 you know, it's an impossible, once someone gets to that point, once someone gets to the point where you're actually independently reviewing science papers on, you know, the effectiveness of, of like, you know, the antibodies to the alpha variant. I and mean, once you get there, you are not going, Fauci will have no power. Right. However, however, he still talks and, and uh, you know, they still have, these people come forward and, and make the claim with a straight face because they're keeping the herd with the, the herd that they still have under control. They're continuing to use the religious scientism on those that it will work. And, but they will never engage. I mean, the idea of like CNN or Fox bringing on a full blooded scientist like, um, uh, you know, JC Cooey or someone, you know, who is really, a powerful scientist and and would demolish any of their 
you know, the people who came in supporting the vaccines. Right. Um, but they would never, they will never do that. And this just shows what we are really dealing with. We aren't dealing with a news organization. That's, that's what they tell us it is. And, and they do that so that we just get into our, you know, our, our sort of these ruts of mind control. Um, but the fact is, it's always been propaganda. Yeah. I mean, if you look at CBS, the first network, I mean, I can remember when it came out. I'm not sure I can actually remember, but I can remember when I was first exposed to it. And every time you turn on, you'd see the all-seeing eye. I mean, every channel had the all-seeing right. eye. Right. Symbol. CBS. I mean, so, yeah. yeah. So this this was what we were just, we, the world we lived in. We just didn't. And you had one or two or three, perhaps, people all reading you know, articles coming from the same source and giving us an understanding of World War II or the Vietnam War, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, we are now in a different world and the internet, which was brought out to be the final nail in the coffin, because with, with it, they would have uh, basically a screen that they could control from which they could mind control exactly what they wanted out of the population. I mean, it's, to me, it's it's it. What it really is, it's a um, it's a device ultimately for depopulation. It will control, but the, it will control the population right into the grave, and right. that is in fact what's occurring. Because I think the uh, if you look at the all causes mortality, which I think is a critical statistic for the skeptical to be aware of, is that uh, all causes mortality is basically through the roof. It is at levels that have never before been seen. And this has nothing to do with either, you know, with the coronavirus, the illness. Uh, during the period of time before the vaccines came out, there was no increase in the all-causes mortality, or very, very tiny increase, which probably was related more to the effects of the lockdown than the disease. But in any case, it was too small to be uh, needed to be discussed. But now you have just catastrophic deaths rates and they are increasing yeah so what you're looking at is the um the effects of the the propaganda device internet um all of the video controllers that that we have in our lives giving us the storyline that we had to to shut lock down but we will get out when the vaccine is there and then the vaccine comes and we must take it it's good for us and now you're getting you know, this depopulation to occur. And, and I think also sterilization. I, I'm pretty sure that'll be one aspect of it as well. But anyway, so um, on the other hand, um, the, the propaganda is not working for uh, the, the people who are more interested in the independent media. I mean, it's just people who listen to you and listen to your analysis and are open to it, just open to it. Right. They don't have to be believing 100%. If they're open to you, if they want to hear you talk about the world, they just are almost impossible to put into propaganda constructions because all you have to do is not give the government, not give the ruling society your trust. If you don't trust them, then you're open to other people's ideas. And that's all you need to do because the human mind, I mean, if it, you know, you can, I, I actually made the conjecture that. They brought out the the whole COVID vaccine one-two punch um, prematurely, but they probably felt they had to because the uh, the independent media was simply growing too quickly. Mm -hmm. and 
see that if this kept going for another 10 years, they would lose you know, probably half the population. They wouldn't be able to get these um, operations to be successful anymore. So it's right now, it's a very critical time. Um, you know, hope that uh, you're full of energy and, uh, you know, have, uh, uh, you know, a, uh, you know, kind of just continue to do what you're doing with even more fervor, with the fervor of, of like uh, life and death survival, you know, because that's really where it is. I mean, even though, um, you know, you compare like the size of listeners you have to, you know, just say some big propaganda construction. It is the the people that listen to you are critical, critical because there are thousands of people. You know, I mean, I, I do a podcast. You know, kind of similar to yours. I mean, mm -hmm. every week I. Um, the audiences aren't huge, but as a collection, it's enormous, and as a collection, we are literally swallowing legacy media. I mean, independent media is growing leaps and bounds. CNN, Fox News, they're, no one is even paying attention to them anymore. Or, it's an exaggeration, but, but less and less. And it's, it's really, um, so it is now the case that um, we, are, we are reconnecting with one another. Humans are reconnecting, wherein we have relationships that are, I would call, Socratic. I mean, if you're familiar with the expression, wherein, mm -hmm. um, you know, we are using reason between ourselves for mutual benefit. We're open to all ideas. We don't we don't want to start out with the position of God or of uh, historical truth with a capital T. We want to exchange information between ourselves and try to use reason, use logic, use trivium technique to come to a mutually advantageous relationship where both sides benefit it isn't right. competition we're not here to try to be you know to be god we are here to try to enhance our own life and the lives of but also to to try to unify through reason because that's really all we can do that's all humans are able to do it's, it's what we are designed to do and it's what we have to do now yeah and so Reason is um, what we can share, and in doing so, we make both more, more, uh, more, more understanding of the world, and we can benefit. You know, both sides can benefit from the um, from the experience. Uh, the relationships between you know the man god, between uh, you know the pharaoh, between the U.S. presidents and the public, I mean, those are all destructive relationships. Those are our relationships that are designed um, with the idea of destroying reason. Right. And they always have a worker's paradise that is false. They always have some historical concept which is untrue. And they all have domination as the goal. And so it's just the same thing. It's over and over and over again. And now, finally, we caught on to it. We're on to the game. And with the internet, we can exchange um, the truth, this truth, very quickly. I mean, that truth has to replace the worker's paradise. I mean, the, the worker's paradise that Christianity offered in eternal life, uh, the worker's paradise, I'm not sure what the worker's paradise was of the Pharaoh societies, but I think that, that, the, that there was some benefit. But then certainly, you know, you've seen, uh, like with Marxism, another worker's right. paradise, you know, construct and now you've got the vaccine 
you know, we're here for you. We're here to help you. We're, we're here to like give you this, this uh, elixir that's going to like save you. You know, I mean, these are all uh, mind control elements just for the purpose of domination and eventually for um, depopulation. I mean, really, I think the, the, the clearest, you know, people say, what are the goals of these, these people? Well, I think the Georgia Guidestones are pretty good, uh, right. uh, you know, kind of idea of what, I mean, they're talking about massive depopulation. And so, um, uh, this is, this is the world we're in. We're in a, we're in a world where depopulation, um, is being attempted by the groups that control our, our political life, our, our political structure. And, um, they have tremendous technology. I mean, designing, you know, like the vaccine is quite a clever thing. You have to really have progressed technology quite a ways to be able to come up with something like this because it had to, you know, it has to be lethal, but over a very long time, because if it just killed people right on the spot, even though it does from time to time, it very rarely, but nevertheless, so it's right. very clever designed. And, um, uh, and so, you know, it's, um, uh, I have said for like a year, I was saying, I'm hoping that the, a signal will occur that'll be clear enough that for people like in our world, you know, in the world of the independent media and the world of, of uh, the Socratic world, you know, um, the signal will be clear enough that that nothing from that point on can confuse us. And I think that the all causes mortality rates um, it was about two months ago, three months ago, perhaps, that the first real clear signal came out. Um, I mean, there have been others, but they, they had been able to be contested. But this, this signal came from the insurance executive. Right. And he said, you know, over the last year, we've lost a fortune because uh, the death rates of people between 18 and 45. And he said this, it went up 40%. And then he dropped the bomb. And this is an individual who's not, you know, independent media. Yeah, person, right. Just a you know business guy. He goes a ten percent increase in mortality rates in this group would occur once every two hundred years. A forty percent increase in death rate is something that isn't within historical understanding. Yeah, it's just not possible to be circumstance. So then this was also corroborated by the DMED data, the military data, which showed exactly the same thing. Right. Um, they, they, they're either ignoring or in the case of the DMED data, it was just preposterous. I don't know if you saw um, their response was they, they, what they did was they went and took the prior five years and then just increased those numbers. So you wouldn't have a signal from the last 12 months. But uh, Rents, the, the, the attorney who was representing the group, you know, he went in front of the Senator Johnson with this information. Well, they got their hands on data prior to the years that, that the uh, DOD had, had, had changed and altered. And it showed exactly yeah. um, that, that the, the five years where the data had been changed was, in, in fact, um, was a absolute, um, you know, kind of nonsense. Because in 2013, they had exactly the same rate of these diseases as, as that had originally been inside the data before it was manipulated. Anyway, I hope a lot of your listeners are familiar with this. And this is the signal. We've got the signal that we can now um, start to, to basically use as the basis for rebellion. Because here 
I mean, you know, when they're going to kill you en masse, they need a really good cover story for you to believe it, like the workers' paradise with Marxism. I mean, think of all of the the sophistry that goes into like the Bolshevik storyline when they were wiping out hundred million people, right? You know, they were talking about the the dangers of capitalism and how this was all going to kill you, and then and it would all just fall apart if the bourgeoisie ever regained power. They had so many nonsensical concepts um, that they were able to execute a pretty good depopulation uh, movement. Well, anyway we now have a signal that we can just cut through all the sophistry, all the propaganda. I mean, it's just as clear as a bell. Here it is. And the government cannot um, admit this fact because if they do to do this, and it's been fascinating to watch what they, how they're dealing with it Mm -hmm. to do this, they would have to admit that they're trying to kill the public. I mean, this would lead to just instant civil war basically is what, what would occur if they just said, okay, well, sorry, um, we decided to depopulate, and this is just how we decided to do it. Sorry about that. So then the, the citizens would start to, to use self-defense. Well, um, I, I have been told that in the, we could be in for interesting months here because there are insurance people now who have this information, and I believe that they will eventually have a press conference, and that will be a historical point because mm-hmm. they will say, you know, we have no other explanation and we have dug into this a little bit. And now, if you don't mind, I just want to segue, because here's something I want to point out is that none of this should be, there shouldn't be any confusion about this at all. They talk about what's called the VAERS data. I'm sure you're familiar with VAERS, you know, the the vaccine adverse event um, system to record it. Well, it is in a illegal state. VAERS is in an illegal state because when uh, the CDC gave pharma the exemption from the um, liability lawsuits in the document that created this exemption, it stated that pharma and the CDC would maintain a perfect data set so that we would know if a vaccine was uh, doing damage en masse. They, they stated they would do this. They never did. Um, over a decade ago, the Lazarus study, which is sometimes called the Harvard Pilgrim study, which is online, they pointed out that all that this was this was this was that the uh, that CDC was not in compliance with the the law, but it was so easy to fix. Now this was because of the uh, autism phenomenon. Remember, autism was a huge problem. People were worried right. about it, and the and pharma was denying it. They could deny it because there was no data with which to contradict their claims. If the, um, the database had been in the, in the legal form, there would never have been any question yeah. because you would simply have a thousand people who'd been given a vaccine and you could compare them uh, it, to a thousand people who hadn't. And then you could see, well, where is the autism occurring? Is it random between the two groups or is it only in one or the other? Now you have your answer. The data would be self-evident and it would be automatic. Now, sorry to be long-winded, but I'm just going to point out this would also completely resolve the questions about the safety and efficacy of the vaccine, wouldn't it? The current vaccine, the, the, the mRNA vaccine. Because if, there was, if, the, if CDC was maintaining the data in the legal form that it is required to, there'd be no question. 
you would simply look at all of the, the, the increases of deaths in between 18 and 45, and you would know just by looking at their designation as, you know, as a number in the computer, were they vaccinated or not? And then there would be no question. The fact that that data set doesn't exist, and this is important, the fact that that data set does not exist is complete clear, clear evidence that they are killing us because there is no reason whatsoever to not have theirs in a straightforward uh, representation yeah. of what is actually happening. And incidentally, the software to do that, I mean, you could write it in half an hour. There is just no complexity here whatsoever. You just collect everything, and that's the key. You collect everything. And then you just say, okay, we'll separate vaccinated against unvaccinated. Now let's separate deaths you know, between 18 and 45. What are the numbers? And you'd have your answer. But the fact that something so necessary and easy to do does not exist shows you we are being genocided. I think those guys at the from Harvard, the Harvard Pilgrim study, they offered. They said, "Here, we've got the software. You can use this." And then, you know, it says in the so study they didn't everyone, get the call back. And it's just so obvious. <laughs> well, the Harvard Pilgrim study guys, they said, "Yeah, you've got." And this is where the 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 expression uh, "only one in a hundred adverse events is being recorded" to VARES. because they could they did what they did was they took a microcosm they took all of the data within the Harvard Pilgrim hospital system it was a big system like 600,000 is the number my memory has and they just checked yeah. everything it all all medical uh, like, you know you go in you get a vaccine you don't go in it's all recorded inside the the computer and they go we're seeing only one in 100 of the events that look like they're related to the vaccine that end up in the other system in bears so that's yeah. why they came up with the number they then told the CDC, and bear in mind, this isn't some renegade group. This is a group that is being funded through NHS funding to do a review of the CDC's compliance with the original law. And they said, so we just showed them. We said, hey, CDC, you know, this would be so simple to do, just like we did here, you know, with uh, Harvard Pilgrim. We're just going to do it over the entire United States and we'll have all the answers. Everything will be completely clear. And this is online, Doug, and I think every citizen should read this. I really ask every citizen to go to the uh, Harvard Pilgrim. The way you, it's under Lazarus, the Lazarus, he was a chief scientist, a Lazarus study. Because in that, which is essentially a science paper, right? It has science paper methodology. It has citation mm -hmm. and tracer. Okay, in, they have a declaration that is I've never seen in another science paper, ever. They say, well, so we gave it to them. And what happened? They stopped talking to us. Yeah. And it literally says they wouldn't even answer the phone. It's crazy. Well, but the reason, because they couldn't. They realized that even to deny the methodology as coherent or necessary would be completely uh, impossible to defend, right? They couldn't even have a defense of their position. So the only thing they could do is just to do nothing Hope it would go away, yeah. And then, and then they could uh, just uh, go on to, you know, producing more vaccines and and have people stop worrying about it. That's what happened. So, what blows my mind about this, Joe, is that so then one of their arguments is, well, look, you know, VAERS works just fine. All we want it for is is to find safety signals in case something goes wrong. You know, right. we'll, do, we'll see the signal and then we'll know that we need to do further study. 
So with the new mRNA vaccines, they've had a thousand percent increase in VAERS reports. And what is that? A safety signal. Like, so yeah, we can't prove how many of these or how damaging these vaccines are, but we have this clear safety signal in VAERS. Doesn't that mean you guys are supposed to, you know, look yeah. into so this, investigate this, and they don't. And again, this the the only people who are able to believe the storyline the government is giving to promote vaccination yeah. are people who are in the thrall of the propaganda. Right. And and it's and it's a it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing to walk in this world, Doug, and to encounter these individuals. They're everywhere. They're the majority. Yep. Um, and there is nothing you can really do. I mean, I don't know any direct approach to get them out of the mindset of propaganda. But, at, you know, just your statements alone would, would, would suggest that they are in a dream state. Yeah. But, you know, I, I have, um, particularly now, the, the vaccinations are really... You know, it isn't just that the signal has been given in terms of their lethality, but the line they've created, the bifurcation is really, uh, you know, it's tragic, but it's also very useful because people that believe Fauci, people that have taken the vaccine, yeah, um, there just isn't a lot you can really communicate. It's hard to go into a Socratic mode. Right. Because they are so biased. They're biased to the point where they're risking their their life with with an untested genetic operation inside of themselves. And so they will they they are just I mean, it would be very difficult for such a person to say, well, I've been wrong, because to do that would be, you know, basically to say, well, I may have I may have damaged and or killed myself. Yeah. Or or my my children. Yeah. Joe, I want to go back to something that you uh, talked about before in terms of this Socratic method, because so many people think, you know, oh, there's no way that all of these people are just mind controlled by propaganda. There's no way that this is happening. And and the way that you can tell, because and I've actually been doing some writing about this on my own blog because I thought this was so important. You've, You've actually brought up a couple of points that I've been trying to talk more about. And and one of them, one of the first essays that I wrote actually was on dialectic or sophistry versus dialogue, because people have got to get to a place where they can start using critical thinking. And one of the things that you said that really, I mean, I, I wrote it in my essay actually, was that when you're using reason properly through the Socratic method, then everyone's helping each other out. You're not emotionally attached to your conclusions you're just saying here's the facts that i've got your your friend is saying here's the facts that i've got let's get together and compare them with the logical fallacies and with the you know the quality of the sources and and help each other to discern the truth of the situation it it shouldn't be this conflict and the conflict you you alluded to it before the left right paradigm trump supporters hate hillary supporters hillary supporters hate trump supporters now we've got the vaccinated hate the unvaccinated, right? You know, they just set these things up. But if you go to someone and I urge the listeners to, to do this, if you go to someone and you, and you invite them into a Socratic dialogue where you're saying, here's my reasons, uh, here's my thought process. And I want to hear yours and I will, let's follow it together. And let's try to engage in this mutually beneficial process of Socratic dialogue. And if you get to a place, what, what will happen? And this happens to me all the time, every day on social media, 
and it usually doesn't have to go very far, you get to a place where you're putting forth your arguments and the other person gets triggered because you're knocking on the door and then they just, they'll start throwing out the logical fallacies at you, the ad hominem attacks, um, you know, the appeals to authority, which we've already talked about, uh, sure. these, these are the, the more popular, more common ones. And when somebody gets triggered, then you have to realize that is a person who's a victim of, of this mind control. They can't, they've learned to trust the authority. And when you try to say the authority is lying to you, uh, it'll literally trigger them into a fight or flight mode and they won't be able to follow the logical conversation anymore. And it happens all the time. I mean, it's so frustrating. I've gotten to a point where I'm doing more work talking about things like this, like how to cr think critically and, and delving into psychology. Now, what is the psychology of this thing that's going on, this mind control thing that I am participating in these, trying to convince people using, you know, logical techniques, trying to show my arguments about what's happening in the Ukraine or what's going on with the vaccines or whatever, because they can't hear it. There, it's too right. it's too late for them. Like, how do we make social change in a world where so many people are influenced by the, the this propaganda? I, I I wanted to bring up NPR as my personal. Like, I actually uh, I, I was in a I lived in a I lived in a community yeah. where everybody listened to NPR. My I got my start in this at the local radio station, and it was an NPR station. And I very quickly came to realize that all these people just believe NPR. And if you disagree with NPR's analysis, like you become the devil uh, pretty quickly. Uh, and it is so powerful. I heard, and and I, so I listen to NPR like 10 minutes every morning, just to kind of like, what are they saying? You know, what are, what are people really believing? It's so powerful. Uh, and I can't believe the stuff they had. They had a guy on this morning that was just over and over again, how the Russians had committed this horrible atrocity, this massacre in, in the Ukraine, the Russians have been begging the UN to do a legitimate investigation. Everybody's stalling. Why would the Russians do that if they just committed an atrocity? Why wouldn't they, you know, it just, but NPR is yeah, not mentioning any of that. It's our current uh, propaganda meme. Yeah. Um, they, it was fascinating how they shifted from COVID to the vaccine to right. Ukraine. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, seamless, but these are all just propaganda elements. Um, I think people in the independent media in general don't buy it. They they want to they want to enter into a Socratic structure. They want to say, well, why why did Russia invade? What is the historical argument line of view? Because in, in this case, I mean I mean the Ukraine's it's just the, the most tragic region on the planet. I mean, you know, you mm -hmm. go back to the Holodomor and and how it's been dominated by the oligarchs. Just uh it's an example of what can happen to all of us if we don't learn to think better. And and I don't I, I'm not accusing the Ukrainians of not thinking well. It's just that that because of their geographical area, they were um subjected to the worst parts of uh the Gulag system, the Bolsheviks, um, and of course, eventually to the Holodomor, which was the uh, greatest human catastrophe of, of the 20th century, uh, 12 million Ukrainians being starved to death. Um, so anyway, the, um, the, the, the Socratic approach doesn't ever get, in my opinion, to where you see a dialectic. You just see this very 
tragic and confused situation, which we are making far worse mm-hmm. uh, with the sanctions. I, I would say that, you know, whereas the purpose of the uh, coronavirus was the lockdown and the purpose of the lockdown was the vaccine, um, the purpose of the Ukrainian conflict is the sanctions. And the sanctions are part of the depopulation agenda. Yeah. I mean, they make no sense. Again, you, you try to enter into a Socratic discussion about them. Um, they, they, the justifications just fall apart almost immediately because, um, you know, I mean, they, they're going to end up reducing the total world food production, uh, the total world energy production. Um, and these will, of course, be, you know, related to by the government with more uh, dictatorship. Right. So they, the sanctions are the goal. I, I think the Ukrainian war will go on and on. I mean, it could be ended very shortly with any kind of reasonable diplomacy, but it isn't going to be because it is valuable for uh, the depopulation agenda. And, you know, the, um, the workers' paradise fantasy is that, you know, we're trying to head off a dictatorship. Uh, Putin is the new Hitler. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, you know, we have to tighten our belts and starve to death. Somehow that's going to, you know, bring about um, uh, harm or, or, you know, slow down Putin's activity if there's food supply and energy supply right. uh, in, in the West. I mean, this is on its face r- ridiculous. Um, but it is—it's the sophist we were being given. I was—I was on um, a communication with someone who has in Europe who has family in rural Germany, and they say that right now you have to choose between food and energy because wow. they, they are. And this is this is a real time, and it's from a person whose judgment I just would trust with my life. And she said, "This is real. It's happening right now." Yeah, that you have one or the other because the inflation has been so severe. Um, I think Monday, many of the department stores and grocery stores raised prices by 50 percent. Wow. This is sort of like a Argentina 1973 kind of structure where, you know, this is a you're just walking into currency debasement and, and uh, no working currency. Um, well, so, you know, this is this is our world right now. and and um, uh, hopefully that the citizen can, we can prepare ourselves and defend ourselves and organize better because we know that the government's organized against us, that it is a secret society. It's, it's across the EU. It is in the United States. It's in Australia. It's in Canada. It's in New Zealand. They're organized. They want to depopulate. We are the target. They are lying to us uh, just to affect their propaganda. So we believe there's some rationale for our extinction. You are listening to this. You are listening to the first free hour of The Shift with Doug McKinty. For access to the full feature-length versions of the podcast, go to www.theshiftnow.com and subscribe for the audio version for just $6 a month. Access the full-length episodes in video form through rockfin.com by subscribing at the Shift with Doug McKenty landing page. For $9.99 a month, you gain access not only to the Shift, but also all other premium content material hosted on the platform. Find out more at www.theshiftnow.com backslash store. Detoxify your body, decolonize your mind, make the Shift. It's- 
It's interesting to think about those uh, democracy movements that uh, 18th, 19th century period, because really it almost seems like, you know, again, feudalism was just expensive to maintain because everybody knew the king, the queen, they had ultimate power, they had to use their military. Uh, and, and with the democracy, it was almost like the upper classes went away. The democracy became a front. It, it's a corrupted democracy and it's in service to the upper classes. But the people, again, through the mind control, were able to, to think, oh, we live in a democracy. We get to vote, so we must be yeah. free. They're not able to see the mechanizations of the upper class kind of behind the, you know, the curtain of the democratic uh, front. Um, I feel like that's the history of the last 200 years, basically. Absolutely. And, you know, um, when they transition from the feudal system into representative government, um, <clears throat> they thought they could do this easily and they could because the printing press hadn't uh, really taken hold yet. Yeah. Once you started being able to exchange information, they, they were able to control that, of course, but the die was cast. I mean, there was going to be at some point you'd start to see, um, you know, revolutionary pamphlets. And that happened. Um, the revolutions could also be controlled and have been, you know, they, they maintain themselves. But the spirit, uh, you know, of, the, of the, uh, the, the builder of the pyramids, the rebellion, intellectual rebellion was it was it was it never died out. And that's why the Internet was developed. The Internet was developed for counterinsurgency. We are mm -hmm. the insurgents population they right. they knew what was coming and they wanted to have a way to, to stop it well they got what they wanted they were able to terrify us they could lock us down they could get a large fraction to do the vaccine okay you know tip of the hat to them they were able to use this this clever device to uh, to control lots of people here's the problem it was also used by by socratic individuals to start exchanging information yeah. And once it got to a critical mass, I don't know what when that was or what the number was, but it did. And now it's starting to grow on its own. And yeah. like I was saying, even though this is people say I'm I'm wrong about this, I know I'm not. I know that if they did nothing in 10 years, the system would have collapsed because the independent media would have simply swallowed. Right. And this is why they're doing it now. This is well, why you're having the depopulation. It, and it also, uh, you know, to me, it. it, it I, I, I can't really prove exactly how they made this all work, but I think that because like you, I believe that they basically can just choose who the president is. I, I believe they chose sure. Trump as the quote unquote populist leader that they could then tear down. And I think the Q thing was a psyop too. Yeah, but what but what they were able to do then was you know that's when they started coming out with uh, disinformation misinformation fake news yeah. and and upsetting the the Hillary supporters who hated Trump you know to to be okay well, like with censorship said, it's dialectic yeah we're so passionate about it you know there's Q there's Hillary uh, there's, right. there's the woke people Antifa you know it's just like all of these extreme emotional positions. <clears throat> they're yeah. extreme emotional positions because they're designed to keep people away from what they are really afraid of, which is the population experiencing the Socratic method and using the Socratic method in a democratic format. Yeah. This is what they cannot accept and cannot permit. And they are trying every which way with every kind of non with every kind of propaganda they can to keep this process from occurring. Yeah. And it's not articulated enough. People need to articulate it more clearly because the more we articulate it, the more it is clearly in the mind of people, the faster the process can go. 
because people there's less confusion if you understand that we are in the process by which we're replacing propaganda of the oligarchs with the Socratic method of the citizens. This is what's happening. This is what's this is what our right. podcast is part of. Great. We are just part of it. That's what we are. And they they can do whatever they want. They can they can use any kind of propaganda they can come up with. They can never overcome uh, someone who is uh, um, uh, you know skeptical and doesn't give them trust and is and it will honestly use the Socratic method when that individual is supported by others using the same approach. As we support each other, we are invincible. It is impossible. You think that 10 people who are helping one another think Socratically can go into some uh, forum and then come out with propaganda in their mind that is going to damage them? It's not possible, Doug. I don't care what they come up with. It isn't possible. Right. If we support ourselves, if we support one another in the process, we will force, we will expose how illegitimate the oligarch's government is, and we will simply replace it with with just our with just the the power that we that we develop through with through reason it will just overwhelm them that really it's it's really it's really what's happening i mean this this is why the you know i mean this is why cnn is going to zero and the internet and and uh, you know the, you you have a podcast with like millions and millions of people listening to them i mean like with rogan joe rogan i i don't necessarily trust him mm-hmm. he could either control they haven't quite gone to the points that i would like to see them go to but they have to give someone like this because otherwise they they'll end up with someone like you, you <laughs> right <see>? so, <laughs> but, but the problem is of course that they think that well we'll just give them rogan and then he, we can bring them back to wolf blitzer somehow but they're they this is a misunderstanding this is a blunder yeah i have I, i've seen it now a thousand times no one no one goes into the light and says, well, you know, I'm going back to the dark. I'm going to start believing Wolf Blitzer. I'm it's sorry, going to believing Peter Hotez or Paul Offit right. or Fou- I mean, no, it doesn't happen. Once the skepticism gets <laughs> on, you're, you're, our, you're free. It's almost been kind of funny to watch Joe Rogan, actually, because he doesn't want to believe it, but he keeps talking to more and more people. And I think, I mean, the ivermectin thing, sure, just like, I mean, how... <laughs> Again, you talk about blunders. I mean, the mainstream yeah. media started calling it horse paste. There were yeah. dozens and dozens of peer-reviewed Rogan, studies. Rogan, you know, this, it, I know Rogan is fascinating to me because it's almost like a real-time kind of representation of the process by which you end up with with Socratic population. Right, right. Because Rogan is out there, he's sort of with like he doesn't wrestlers. want to open his mind, but yeah, you know, but, but he's pretty smart, you know, and and he's pretty. It seems as as his personality comes to me, he seems pretty courageous. Yeah, and. When they when they tried to pick him, you know, when they were trying to like, oh well, you know, we've got him, you know, we're going to show he's doing misrepresentation, he's lying. You know, the problem is there was too much Socratic support around him. He had like people on, you know, were saying, well, you know, let me just explain how that works, and it was just completely obvious, yeah, that um, the people that he was bringing on had reason. They seemed to be speaking honestly, and they seemed to have real facts. Um, well, you know, and then in the interest of having both sides on, he has uh, what Fareed Zakaria yeah. from CNN on, and it's like, 
clearly that guy's not making any sense at all. I mean, well, once you again, you know, see, this is the thing. You can see the this is a that was such a great example of what what the process went. Yeah, Fareed cannot say anything, even to someone as kind of like uh, with the minimal skills and biology of Joe Rogan. He cannot in, engage into a real discussion with him because he knows he's lying. You yeah. see, it's the same thing. Read the Lazarus study. Just take it out and read it and get to the point where they go. So we showed them. It'd be real simple. You could have the truth just so easily. It's right in front of you. And then and then, well, they stopped answering the phone. Yeah. <laughs> then, you know, Zareed just stopped talking. Yeah, see, this is what this is the process. We're in. They will they will be rendered moot, mute. They cannot talk. Because if, if you put them in a Socratic structure, they cannot, you know, these guys cannot say a word because they know that they will look. It's diminishing returns, Doug. They know they're there to create mind control, but they know the lie has been exposed and they know if they say the lie again, it's just going to get let more people out of mind control, not into it. Right. Out of, out of the darkness, not into it. So we, we've got them cornered. I mean, it's, it's just kind of funny that, I mean, we are just this little tiny, you know, kind of disparate, kind of unconnected group in creating the internet, independent media, and they are have they have all of the money, they have all of the media, they have the internet, the armies. <clears throat> Doug, we've got them cornered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can't possibly fight. They are just without because it, it goes back to your point. What what held it all in place was the mind control. And all you needed to do was just snap it out. And yeah. once that it's it's once the once it went, it's they they have no power. So you know it's a Wizard of Oz. You know I mean they they tell us that the, this is your mind and this is your heart and things. Well, you know once we see that you are just nothing but a propagandist, we don't we don't believe that. Yep, I hear you. Well, well, I gotta go, Doug. I yeah. gotta run. I'm sorry. This is fun talking to you. Yeah, man, no, I fair got, enough. I was just about to wrap it up. I, I yeah, know we I can know, go sorry. on. <laughs> anyway, it's been great talking to you. Uh, bring me back. We can we can have another discussion. I hope someday. Yeah, actually, I'd love to. I mean, I um I think you and I are are uh, really thinking along a lot of the same lines here. We're on the same um, page, brother. Yeah, we're on the so. same page. Do you want to let like you support me, and I can support you, and this is how we will get stronger and stronger and stronger. Just sounds sounds just great, Joe. Yeah, thanks a lot. Okay, we'll do it for Thank sure. You, you want to let people talk. let people know uh, where they can find your stuff? Uh, well, you can always find me at. Uh, <clears throat> um, I mean, I'm a public person. I take emails. I get a lot of them. I can't really answer them all, but I try to answer most at joeatwell at gmail So I'm just a, you can just add, you know I can reach me there. Uh, go to uh, caesarsmessiah.com if you want to buy my books. Uh, I do a weekly podcast called Powers and Principalities with Tim Kelly, and that's every week. And um, and I'm always, uh, you know, I'm just anxious to be of value to anyone who, you know, thinks it might be there for them. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's it's um, it's, uh, you know, it's like we are one spirit. You know, I know this kind of flowery language, but it really is true. In the Socratic world, we are one spirit. Mm-hmm. There really isn't personalities, you know, or, you know, like, this is great. You know, that person. I mean, it's just we are all working together. Reason is a constant. It's like gravity, you know. And when we experience it with one another, you know, we're eternal. 
Sounds good. Well, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with author and activist Joe Atwill. Uh, I've always really appreciated Joe's work, and I was uh, excited to have him back on the show. He was like episode number 20, so it's been uh, a number of years, actually, since I spoke with him last time. And last time, we focused mostly on uh, Caesar's Messiah. I'll go ahead and throw uh, that episode, the link to that episode, down in the show notes so you can check that one out as well. Um, but I've been attracted for a long time, ever since the 90s, probably, the 1990s, when I read uh, Rianne Eisler's The Myth of the Goddess, about the role of mythology and especially patriarchal mythology in the development of what she called these dominator cultures, these cultures that are based on warfare and, uh, and uh, conflict uh, and the domination of, a, of an upper class um, of the rest of, you know, the rest of the population, of the mass of the population. Um, and it made a lot of sense to me that these patriarchal mythologies have something to do with convincing people uh, that this is sort of a natural state of things. Um, I think there's a lot of nuance that can happen uh, with conversations like this, certainly. Um, there are interpretations, Gnostic interpretations of Christianity that I really appreciate. Uh, I think where Joe is going with a lot of this is uh, in the direction of what eventually became the Catholic Church. And a lot of what, a lot of what uh, ways that Christianity kind of morphed and was turned into... Uh, something that that definitely worked in service to empire. Uh, I think I mentioned it in the interview, um, but the idea of an all-seeing, all-knowing God uh, is pretty similar to Jeremy Bentham's Panopticon, which is essentially the the foundation, the basis for the modern prison, where you've got the 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 uh, tower in the center of the yard that somebody can can stand in, guards can stand in, and they can see everything. They know what you're up to. Um, it's kind of become um, uh, a quintessential metaphor for this kind of patriarchal or authoritarian control. Um, and I do think that uh, the patriarchal mythologies have a tendency to, to, uh, to lean in that direction, have that influence on people. So I appreciated Caesar's Messiah and would recommend that you all check it out. But I wanted to have Joe back on the show this time because I really wanted to get into this conversation about what's going on now. If the upper classes, if the Roman emperors 2,000 years ago were thinking about using mythology as essentially uh, propaganda in service to empire, then what is going on now, and this is the direction that Joe's more recent research has been going in, he wrote an article, Manufacturing of the Deadhead, that'll be posted in the show notes as well, uh, where he talks about how in the 1960s, just loads of evidence showing uh, the CIA working with substances like LSD, psychedelics, uh, mushrooms, um, popularizing their use, um, popularizing this rock music. I mean, honestly, when you realize how powerful the corporate system is, uh, what becomes popular and why if uh, if just a handful of these guys at the top of the corporate system decide, hey, we want this kind of music to be popular, then that's the kind of music that gets to be popular because that's the only kind of music that's going to get into the distribution networks, uh, the only artists that are going to uh, be allowed to to use the big corporate studios. Um, 
So what just how much influence do these guys have uh, on the building of modern culture? And is it in this same vein uh, that the Roman emperors used when they manipulated mythologies in service to, to the power of the Roman Empire uh, thousands of years ago? I think there's quite possibly, quite likely, a lineage. Uh, and certainly in the last hundred years or so, we've seen lots of money spent on this idea of propaganda and how to spread it, how to manipulate the mass mind. Guys like Edward Bernays and, and Walter Lippmann, places like the Tavistock Institute, they get paid hundreds of millions of dollars to figure this stuff out. The development of uh, psychological warfare techniques, places like DARPA, uh, just billions of dollars, right, getting spent on figuring out how to manipulate the mass mind. So I think, um, as Joe uh, points out, there's, uh, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that this manipulation is certainly going on. Now, as with Christianity, I think there's some nuance here. I mean, certainly as someone who grew up uh, respecting the rebellious nature of the 60s, um, and thinking actually that uh, there is a place for plant medicine in the world, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that all of these ideas need to be tossed out. Uh, some people do think that, but I think there's a lot of nuance. I mean, just as uh, religion may be good for people, despite some of these manipulations in the past, I think that uh, spirit medicines, plant medicines, uh, can be healthy for people in certain contexts, um, while uh, also used... Um, for more nefarious purposes and others. So we just all have to be really careful about, uh, about how we think about these things and recognize that there's a lot of nuance here, but really just recognize that there has been and is this manipulating force behind a lot of these movements uh, so that we can be careful when we make choices for ourselves about what we want to do for our own health and our own awareness about the world around us. Um, certainly appreciate Joe's insights uh, into all of that. The other thing, in the second hour, uh, I was really happy to notice uh, how much we agreed on this uh, idea that Socratic dialogue is actually the pathway out. Um, if you all remember my interview with Dr. Julianne Romanello, we really kind of came to the conclusion that going all the way back to, to Socrates, you've got the sophists making these really good arguments saying, you know, I know the truth because my argument is better than yours. Uh, and Socrates saying, hey, wait a minute, let's have a conversation about this. Uh, I don't know that you necessarily know the truth, but we're, we're going to discuss to figure out, you know, maybe what's the best way forward between the two of us. Um, and Joe actually mentions at one point that we should be helping each other out through dialogue using logic. I had this conversation just a few weeks ago with Mary Lynn about sovereign communication, where we were really getting... Uh, into the into this same subject, where we shouldn't be having these arguments, uh, these left-right discussions, where the left fights with the right, we never get anywhere. Logic, uh, critical thinking—it's supposed to be a tool that we can use to make personal choices. And then when we hang out with our friends, family, with our other community members, we can have these conversations, respect their point of view, and we help each other to use uh, this tool to discover the truth about what's going on, what's happening in the world. Um, and uh, it's just unfortunate that I think in the world of sophistry, it becomes this conflict, this dialectic, which I've written about now, uh, multiple articles at the Populist Papers, and you can check, check, uh, check out 
the way that I present it there. Again, just really happy to see that um, Joe was really on the same page uh, in terms of saying, hey, Socratic dialogue is the way forward. It's the way out of this mess. And uh, even hearing his vision of democracy, where this is what democracy is supposed to be, our representatives meeting together using Socratic dialogue to discover the truth uh, instead of at best, an argument between the left-right paradigm within the dialectic and really, at worst, just being a completely corrupt entity uh, that's basically pretending to use the left-right paradigm while it's actually just shuffling funds around from corporations into their campaign uh, funds, right, uh, in return for fat government contracts out the other end for the cor to these corporations, which is probably a more realistic um, interpretation of what actually happens in politics today. So um, it was just really interesting to, to see. You know, he talks about the trivium method. I've done a few interviews about that too, and just learning how to catch the logical fallacies to have conversations with your friends uh, so that they can kind of double, you can double check each other's work, you can get more information. Again, this very helpful process of learning the truth and discovering the truth together. It just doesn't have to be this conflict and this fight, which is what it's turned into. I think that's uh, characteristic of a really unhealthy culture and something that we all need to recognize and start working on um, healing, healing the culture. Uh, and using logic to avoid the pitfalls and the traps caused by the, the mass mind control, the manipulation that's going on. So uh, I encourage all of you to check out uh, Joe's work because this is what he talks about and I think he's really onto something. Um, and uh, I really appreciated the conversation that he had. He was uh, pretty much pretty much ready to uh, claim the independent media as the actual legitimate functioning government because uh, the, the powers that be right now um, really are, have just been so corrupted they have no place, no business calling themselves a government anymore. So appreciated that. Anyway, uh, if you want to find his work, then please go to www.caesarsmessiah.com. Again, I will have the manufacturing of a deadhead uh, posted below in the show notes. Uh, urge you to check that out. Hopefully, it won't be too disappointing for for those of you who are deadheads out there. <laughs> but I think a lot of us have kind of gotten turned onto this information by now. But um, but I just think that it is important to realize that uh, that what the upper classes want aren't necessarily the sort of return to conservatism or traditional values which a lot of us are sort of taught or we sort of get these ideas from osmosis that they're actually doing a lot to tear down uh, the structure of the family unit and to tear down some of those values uh, in order to build back better right seeing that again so again check out uh, www.caesarsmessiah.com for more info and uh, I'll just let you all know that my conversation next week is going to be with Bantam Joe, finally getting down into the, uh, the nitty-gritty about this blockchain conversation. I'm going to at least present uh, the, the libertarian perspective uh, about blockchain and why many libertarians are at least uh, have been excited about the potential for the technology. Uh, Joe, of course, uh, has been very skeptical as 
many of us are now uh, with concerns about privacy, these centralized central bank digital currencies that can really actually collect all of our data. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, and you'll be able to find this episode and all of my other episodes at www.theshiftnow.com where you can uh, sign up for the newsletter or subscribe. For the feature-length episodes of the show, you can check out The Shift on Rockfin, and if you subscribe on Rockfin, you'll also get not just my premium content, but everybody's premium content, so that's a great place to go. Um, And I'm also having a lot of success, I think, with the Populous Papers uh, on Substack. So if you just uh, look up uh, www.substack.com backslash the Populous Papers, you'll find my articles and my written work, uh, and I'm posting all of... uh, all of these podcast episodes there as well, so you can check check out all my stuff coming straight to your inbox at the Populist Papers on Substack. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it, and uh, we'll catch you again next week. Take care.